Y'all, that gets me so fired up, and I certainly hope that that gets you excited as well, especially if you call this place your church home. You ought to be proud to be a part of a place, a community that is, that is living so open-handed, and not so that we can brag about how great we are, nope, but because we never look more like Jesus than when we are being generous that then when we live open-handed with literally every part of our lives, and unless you think that I'm saying this for hyperbole, just take a look at the life of generosity that Jesus modeled for every one of us. He was incredibly generous first with his time. Have you ever noticed that, that Jesus was always oh so interruptible? He never was in a hurry. That there's all these occasions as you read about the life of Jesus, and don't take my word for it, read about him for yourself and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus. And he was often heading to take care of some pretty important issues, but he'd be stopped by someone else and would readily drop it all just for that one person. He was always willing to offer his time to those who sought him, frequently just a listening ear. It's such a precious commodity, that time, that, that many of us are so unwilling to relinquish. He, he would also freely offer his talents. The, the biographical accounts of the life of Jesus are, are riddled with his healings and his teachings in particular. He, he letter, readily threw aside his needs to offer up his gifts for the benefit of others. He, he used his gifts for the benefit of those around him, in particular the vulnerable, the marginalized, those whom society had cast to the side. In fact, there's one occasion in Matthew chapter 8, Matthew being one of those four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus. Uh, and Jesus here in this situation, he's teaching this large crowd and a man with, with leprosy kind of appears and approaches him, begging to be made well. And you know, we can't probably totally appreciate just how cast aside, just how terribly people look down on those with leprosy. But needless to say, people freaked out when a leper was around. They stayed away from lepers and Jesus readily heals him. But he doesn't just do it from a distance as he could have easily done. He, and I assure you this was oh so intentional, he reached out and touched him. And immediately this leper was made well. He was also so generous with his treasure. J Jesus, throughout his teachings, he, he implores us to be generous with our money. And just in case you're thinking, ah, there it is. Jesus is just after my money. I knew it. No, I assure you, Jesus doesn't need your money. He, he taught so frequently on this because he's fully aware of the power that greed plays in every single one of our lives. And unless we're regularly giving a portion of our finances away, we, we will never completely hand over our lives to him. And in turn, we'll be slaves to our possessions, to our money. And per usual, Jesus didn't just talk about this, he, he lived it. And then he put an exclamation point on it in a way that none of us could have possibly predicted when he gave us his life. His life for our sin, the ultimate act of generosity that this world has ever or will ever see. So, so yeah, we never look more like Jesus than when we are being generous. And, and it is why we will always, or at least as long as I have the privilege, the honor of leading this church, it's why we will always strive to be a church marked first and foremost by our generosity. 
It's why we'll always go out of our way to celebrate generosity because nothing grabs the attention of our society and our world than when we are being generous. And I think you all, both Christian and non-Christian alike, would agree that we don't just need people talking about Jesus. We need people who are living, who are acting like Jesus. Because again, say it with me, even in the comfort of your own home, we never look more like Jesus than when we are being generous. Well, today, as you've likely gathered, because you're smart people, we are kicking off this brand new series titled At the Core. You see, over the last 18 months, a lot has changed in our world, in our families, in our social lives, in our places of employment. Not much has been left untouched by this pandemic, and our our church is certainly no different. I've told many people over this last year that I think one of the most tangible wins that we can point to as a result of COVID, yes, there has definitely been some good that has come out of this, is that people, at least in my lifetime, are more open to spiritual conversations than ever before. People are more open to Jesus. They're more open to church than ever before. That There's a vulnerability amongst people unlike anything that I have ever seen. It would seem that when so much of what is familiar and comfortable is stripped away from us, we just get to a point where we say, sheesh, maybe there really is more to this life than, well, this life. And so every week, we, we see loads of new people walking through our doors, tuning in online, giving Jesus a closer look. And, and, and dang, does that get us excited, especially when it's people who previously were not involved in a church or don't have a relationship with Jesus. That's why we started this church in the first place. We, we didn't want to be the new show in town to attract all the disgruntled Christians from their old churches, but to be a safe place where anyone can come and explore their faith. But what we thought with so many new people around, it'd be a great time to answer the question, what makes Grumlaw, Grumlaw? What, what makes us unique? What sets us apart? Or maybe the better question, what are the values and what are the convictions that drive us? Who are we at the core? See what I did there? Uh, sometime over this last year, uh, and I can't really remember exactly when it was because as this last year has probably proven true in all of our lives, it just kind of has all been lumped in there together. But I, I was at home with my oldest son, uh, Malachi, and uh, we were kind of hanging out in the kitchen. And, and he said, Dad, can I have an apple? There's this bowl of fruit sitting on the counter and apples were in there. And I said, yeah, sure. And so I hand him an apple. And then as I handed it to him, I was like, wait, buddy, does mommy normally give you the apples just like this? I mean, do you just normally eat them round or should I cut them into slices? And he looked at me and he's like, no, I'll eat it like this. And I was like, all right. And so I kind of reluctantly hand him the apple and watch as he takes that first bite. And I'm like, okay, yeah, apparently it seems like he's done this before. And then I left the kitchen for about 10 minutes and I come back into the kitchen and Malachi is right where I left him, but there's only this little stem left in his hand. And I said to him, buddy, where's the apple? And he's like, I ate it. I said, but buddy, where's the core of the apple? And he looked at me like he had never heard that word before in his entire life. And I said, okay, buddy. And I picked up another apple. I said, in the middle of the apple, there are seeds and there's like this harder part. It's kind of attached to that stem that you have in your finger. Where is that? He's like, dad, I ate the apple. I'm like, you ate like the middle part and the seeds? He's like, dad, I ate the apple. But like my son, and in particular, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, Our hope and our prayer is that as we dissect these five values over the coming weeks, 
These wouldn't just be Grumlaw values. They would become Lyman values and Klein values and Nimmo values and Garnett values and Runhog values. By the way, those are last names of people who are a part of this church. Some of you are probably getting real confused just now. That you would eat these values up all the way to the core. These would be values that become a part of who you are at your core. Not because you're trying to be more like Grumlaw, but because you're pursuing and trying to be more like Jesus. And I can promise you, if these values become a part of who you are, you will be very much showing Jesus to a world who so desperately needs him. It will all point back to him. Now, a quick word of warning here as we kick off this series. If you call yourself a Jesus follower, living these values out is central to what it means to actually follow Jesus. You ought to live this way, not just because it sounds nice, but because Jesus calls us to this. Like so much in our walk with Jesus, this just comes down to, well, obedience. Will I be obedient to that which Jesus has called me to? He has proven himself trustworthy when he died for me, so I'm going to choose to trust him in return, even and perhaps especially when it feels counterintuitive or or when it's difficult for me to live out. However, if you're sitting here today and you're new to this whole church thing, you're just kind of beginning to explore, admittedly, much of what we're going to be talking about over these five weeks, and perhaps especially this first week, it's going to sound completely illogical and perhaps even irresponsible. So if you don't call yourself a Jesus follower, you get to kind of pick and choose. But I'll give you a heads up, a bit of a cheat code here on the front end. As counterintuitive and as irrational as some of this stuff is going to sound, take it from me and a whole mess of other people who are actually living this. This is undeniably a better way to live. I challenge you to at least give it a shot. That every week, and be here for every week of this series, especially with online, there's really no reason to miss a single week. Walk out of here and commit to taking at least one action step. And I can promise you that you'll find what I and so many others have found. It'll be better for you and the people around you. Living out these values will make your life better and the lives around you better. And if you heed that challenge to take at least one action step a week, little by little, your faith will begin to grow. And as your faith grows, your trust in Jesus will grow. And as you trust in Jesus, you'll find yourself taking steps of obedience down the road that you previously would have thought unimaginable. And as a result, you too will find yourself among a generation of Jesus followers actually showing Jesus to a world that so desperately needs him. So with all that in the mind, with all that as the backdrop, allow me to pray here as we head into part one of this series. Father, I thank you for every person that decided to tune in here this morning. Uh, I thank you that people are, are giving you, are giving church, are giving Jesus a chance like honestly we've never seen before. And I pray, God, that we would just not be a group of people who just listen to this stuff, but we actually live it, we carry it out, we would be marked by our doing. We love you so much, Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. Well, as we head into part one of this series, uh, we're going to be hitting on a value that is very near and dear to my heart and perhaps the most influential value of them all. Give it up. And again, I say that because of what I already spoke to at the beginning of this message. We never look more like Jesus than when we are being generous. Now, admittedly, when anything even hinting at money is brought up in a church, people be getting real uncomfortable. 
But, but real quick, let me just throw this disclaimer out there. Money is the second most popular subject spoken about in the entire Bible. The only topic that is mentioned more is sin. Again, this message isn't only about money, it's just part of it, but my guess is it'll be a, the part of the message that people hear the loudest and are probably most offended by. But the reason that this is something Jesus in particular spoke so frequently about is because he knows, and we actually all know this, the power that money can have over all of our lives. Jesus knows, and so do you, that money is probably what causes the most stress in your life. It's what keeps you up at night. It's the source for a lot of worry. You want more of it. You never have enough of it. You put all that together and it's impossible not to come to the conclusion that God's chief competitor for your heart will always be money. The thing that is most likely to pull you away from God, the part of your life that you are least likely to hand control over to God will forever be your money, your stuff, your possessions. And God is in a relentless pursuit to have a relationship with you. And he doesn't just want some of you, he wants all of you. He doesn't just want to be Lord over some of your life, but all of your life. And unfortunately, and this may very well describe you this morning, that has been manipulated into something negative. That it's somehow a negative thing that God wants 100% of your devotion, your attention, access to every area of your life. But as I mention all the time, God is for you. He has your best interest in mind. And he wants you to have the most fulfilling, purpose-filled, joy-filled, content life imaginable. And he knows the only way that you'll find that is in real relationship with him. When you live a life that is completely surrendered to him. We all have this God-shaped void in our lives that only he can fill. And because he so desperately wants us to experience this, he gave us his son to prove his love for us, to win us back. Uh, Take for instance, when when, when a family member or a close friend is is struggling and wrestling with addiction, and I've seen this firsthand in my own family, you as the individual that care deeply and love that person deeply, you relentlessly pursue that person and you do everything that you can to break the power of that addiction in their lives because it is so obvious the damage that it's causing to themselves and those around them. And in a very similar way, you better believe that God takes a firm stance and God's word, this book that we call the Bible, talks a whole lot about money and stuff and possessions. Because if there's something that stands in the way of God having an intimate relationship with his most prized creation, you and I, and money so frequently does, there's nothing he won't do to break the power of that in our lives, to win us back. Greed and the devotion to our money, to our stuff, to our possessions has apparently always been an issue for people. And I don't think it's going anywhere this side of heaven. Additionally, I can assure you this is not just a non-Christian thing. This is very much a Christian issue as well. Uh, Upon putting your faith in Jesus, it's not as if greed and the allure for more suddenly vanishes. And, And it's, again, precisely why Jesus talks so much about it. And remember, this all comes down to devotion. Where does your allegiance lie? To your stuff, to your money, to your possessions, to your career, or to God? And don't forget, God isn't just being some sort of a control freak. No, he has your best interest in mind. He knows, he knows that only he can be our lasting source of joy and contentment. 
Now, in Matthew chapter 6, again, one of these four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus, Jesus gives like an extensive teaching about money and specifically how much time we all think about it, how much time we all worry about it. And he implores us in Matthew chapter 6 to don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. In other words, you're not going to be able to take any of your stuff. You're not going to be able to take any of your money with you. When you die, none of it, none of it is going to matter. So we would all be wise, as Jesus tells us here, to store up our treasure in heaven. Now, how in the heck are you supposed to do that? More on that in just a minute. But one more comment here from Jesus. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. It cannot be overstated what a brilliant observation this is and the implications that this has for every single one of our lives. It's statements like these that make Jesus the undisputed greatest teacher in all of history. Jesus is saying how you allocate your time, your talents, and specifically here our treasure, our money, will absolutely reveal where your allegiance falls and ultimately where your devotion lies. In fact, just a couple of verses later, he makes this startlingly blunt statement. He says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. See, that term slave, it sounds harsh and until we all take an honest look at ourselves. See, every single one of us, we are all a slave to something or someone. I, I could spend a day with any of you. And by the way, this isn't a talent unique to me. You all could do this as well. And by the end of that day, I could tell you what or who you are a slave to, whether you've come to grips with it or not. Some of you, you're a slave to your career. Some of you, you're a slave to your kids' extracurricular activities. Some of you are a slave to your fitness. Some of you are a slave to food. And a whole lot of us are slaves to our possessions, our campers, our boats, our vehicles, our homes, our vacation homes, our debt, our money. You've likely never thought about this in those terms, but you don't really own the stuff you own. It owns you. And what Jesus is getting at here, and again, this is so brilliant, is that we're all a slave to something. So he's imploring us, even begging us, why not be a slave to me? Now, I know what some of you are probably still thinking, I ain't a slave to nothing, I do me, America. Okay, well, you keep lying to yourself while the rest of us are actually honest with ourselves. We all are a slave to something or someone. Our actions, our lives out us. So why not be a slave to, why not serve Jesus? The God who got off of his throne to become one of us who demonstrated just how much he loves us when he gave his life for us. The only thing, or in this case, being, that we can hand our devotion to and it won't fall short. The only path to true fulfillment, to true joy, to true contentment. So, for the last couple of minutes that we have together, let's just pretend you're interested in taking Jesus up on his offer. That, that you're interested in breaking the power of greed in your life, that you're starting to come around to the idea that Jesus does indeed have your best interest in mind. How do we, as Jesus says, store up treasure in heaven rather than here on earth? I'm so glad you asked. It's pretty simple. You, 
give it up. And, and, and what exactly do you give up? You, you give up your time, your talents, and your treasure. Now, for the rest of the time that we have together here this morning, and I'm going to be brief, uh, because every single one of us watching are at different points in our faith journeys, for each area, I'm going to give a, I'm new to this, but willing to give it a shot step. These are for the people who are new to church. You're just starting to explore. You, you more seasoned followers of Jesus, don't be taking the easy way out. Appropriately categorize yourself, okay? No cheating. Because I'm also going to give a, I've been at this church thing for a minute step. This is for those of you that have been at this Jesus follower thing for a while, but, but perhaps you've been reluctant to give Jesus access to everything. And, and what you've been doing is you've been waiting for that magic moment where it just feels right. But it's time to take off the train wheels and let her rip. I assure you that perfect moment that you've been waiting for is never coming. At a certain point, you just have to ask yourself, am I going to trust God or not. And one of the things that you're surely going to notice here, and the largest difference between these two wonderful categories that I've created is consistency. For those of you who are new to all this, these are going to be kind of like one-off events where you just kind of get to test the waters. But for the more seasoned Jesus followers, I am going to try to push you towards consistency, towards forming real give-it-up generosity habits and rhythms that are just a part of who you are. And by the way, we want you more seasoned people at the one-off events too. I have to throw that out there because people are always looking for an out. But these are going to be habits that will change you. They will change those around you, and they will strengthen your relationship with Jesus in ways that you did not know were possible. So, so here we go. Let's first take a look at time and talents. And first, again, we're going to address the people that are new to this, but you're willing to give it a shot. First up, May 22nd, as in six days from now, we have a Grumlaw Serve Day. You can sign up for this at grumlaw.com slash discover. In fact, we really would love it if you would sign up ahead of time for this so we can know exactly how many people are showing up. But we're going to have opportunities in Flint with Franklin Avenue Mission and Detroit with Central Detroit Christian. It's an opportunity to get outside, help them get cleaned up here as they head into the summer, clean up vacant lots, get everything looking nice and pristine outside. So again, grumlaw.com slash discover. For some of you, and this is so important, your time has become an idol. You'll write a check, you'll contribute to a drive, a coat drive, a water drive, a sock drive, a diaper drive all day long. But, but give up a portion of your Saturday? I mean, it's like me asking for one of your kidneys. And, and I'll just admit, admit to you that as your pastor, it can be a little bit frustrating when, when we'll promote these events to the entire church. I mean, we're talking about 1,200 people between Grand Blank, Heartland, and online every Sunday. So the entire church sees this for weeks on end, and then 30 of you end up showing up. I refuse to believe that this will forever be the posture of this church. Don't look for a way to say no. Look for a way to say yes. And again, go to grumlaw.com slash discover right now to sign up for that serve day. Again, going down six days from now on May the 22nd. Now, for those of you who have been at this whole church thing for a minute, here's your challenge. Sign up for a team. Sign up for a team. Begin to serve here in the local church. Make that move from a tender where you just come and you sit in these seats and you get the heck out of here on Sunday mornings to owner. If you're already on a team, begin serving on a more regular basis, at least twice a month. Be a part of what God is doing here. I'm telling you, this isn't an I have to, this is an I get to. Because think about it, how incredible is it 
that God would allow any of us, myself very much included, to play a role in his redemptive plan for the world, to play a role in the local church. See, this whole church thing comes alive in ways that you will never otherwise experience once you get off the sidelines and you jump on a team. And we don't wanna just throw you on any team. No, we wanna get you on a team where your greatest talents and your gifts and your abilities are being utilized. Because you bring talents to the table that other people don't have. God has uniquely gifted you to play a part in the local church, to be used to lead others towards him. And so I'm gonna tell you, don't wait any longer. For all of you watching online right now, come on back in person. And right now, text the word SERVE to 810-510-0298. Again, text the word SERVE to 810-510-0298, and we will get you on a team. Now let's move on here to treasure as we wrap this thing up. For those of you who are again new to this whole church thing, just kind of checking things out, here's my challenge for you. Donate to Our Daughters International. Uh, we, we talk about this organization all the time. We, we partner with Our Daughters International to fully fund a border station between Nepal and India. And its sole purpose for existence is to take the fight against human trafficking and specifically sex trafficking. That border between Nepal and India is one of the most prolific areas in the entire world for human trafficking. And Our Daughters International is doing an incredible job taking that fight and pushing back against that. And so I wanna invite you to make a one-time gift to Our Daughters International. We just got back our quarterly report actually for the border station that we sponsor as a church. In this last quarter here, the first quarter of 2021, there were 330 girls that were rescued from human trafficking as a result of that one border station. That 330, that's most in a three-month period ever. So that's great. We get excited about that. But what that also tells us and tells the people at Our Daughters International is that the borders are busier than ever that their world, just like ours, got completely shut down because of COVID. Now that these borders are open back up, everything is much busier, including human trafficking. So the need is greater than ever before. Consider making that one-time donation at ourdaughtersinternational.org. Do that right now. You don't need to love Jesus to be anti-human trafficking. So again, we hope that you'll take advantage of that. Now to you more seasoned people. Been a part of this church thing for a minute. I wanna invite you to become a percentage giver. As followers of Jesus, we're called to partner financially with our particular expression of the local church that we find ourselves a part of. And if you call this place your church home, I wanna invite you to make the move from tipper to tither. And here's what I mean by that. Rather than dropping a $20 tip every once in a while, Rather than donating a hundred bucks every once in a while, whenever your conscience is really starting to get the best of you, maybe even like on a morning like today, make the move to percentage giving. P pick a percentage, whether it's 2%, 5%, 10%, just pick a percentage of your income to give away back to the local church and stick to it. Set up automated, set up recurring giving to protect yourself from the greed and the self-deception that plagues all of us. For, for some of you, and again, if you're not a Jesus follower, I promise you this part of the message is not for you. You can completely zone out right now. But for a lot of you, you have been giving 10% of your income back to the local church for a long, long time. In, in a lot of ways, you're the lifeblood. You're, you're, you're why we even exist as a church. But let me say to you, 10% was never meant to be the finish line. And, and there's a decent chance that if you've been giving 10% of your income back to the local church now for quite a while, for years, it's probably just pretty routine at this point. 
You probably don't even notice it. You're not necessarily even missing that money. It's just like an afterthought. And I want to invite you to consider upping your percentage. This is something that my wife and I practice every year. Every year, we try to increase that percentage point by at least 1%, at least 1% every single year. And again, I'm just talking to the Jesus followers right now. But I remember a mentor telling me this long ago. If your giving isn't making you uncomfortable, you're probably not giving enough. Church, there are no shortages of churches that need help getting off the ground. There are only more border stations to be sponsored. There are only more people in our communities that need assistance. The the only thing that's holding us back as well, us. I I get so fired up and so passionate about this, not because I want Grumlaw to have more money. If you know me, you know that's definitely not my heart. It's because I get so excited thinking about all the different ways that generosity can be used to make such a significant impact in people's lives. I'm dreaming, I'm praying, I'm trusting, and I invite you to join me in this, that in my lifetime, this Grumlaw Church will be a place that gives a greater portion of our budget away than we keep, that we become a part of like this 5149 club where 51% of our budget is allocated to money that goes right back out the door to open more border stations, to start more churches, to give away in our communities. But but that's not gonna happen without the buy-in from all of the Jesus followers that are watching right now, from all of us. I I get so excited thinking about the doors that would be open and the ways this faith community would be used if we lived generously in every area with our time, our talents, and our treasure. Like Jesus, I want to see the power of greed that has the opportunity to enslave us all, and it's so subtle how that happens. I want to see that broken by the freedom that we find in him. And I stand here humbled and in awe of how God will use all of it to point people back to him, the lives, the eternities that will be transformed as a result. So let's give it up. Because we never look more like Jesus than when we are being generous.